mysterious cassette tapes on my doorstep. Now, <laughs> he could have just left them all at the same time, but they keep arriving and I have to borrow a tape player from a neighbor, but that's that's worth it for, for these stories. You know, I, I don't know again if, if they're true, but we left them last time. We met his parents and his idyllic childhood and heard all about that. And then he ends up getting stabbed, meets Frank Sinatra, Sinatra and is made by the mob. So this one, uh, he has another brush with the law. You'll hear a little more serious than uh, getting uh, pulled over, going 35 and a 25 zone on a skateboard and having to do community service. But um, you'll see, this, this next set of stories gets uh, pretty explosive. So I'll just leave it at that and let you enjoy it. And uh, as long as these keep coming, I'll keep sharing. Thanks for listening to Gringo Loco. And... Uh, let us know what you think. Is it real? Is it a true story? I did some Googling, and uh, more and more starts to line up, but still leaves me doubting at the same time. We'll see. Enjoy. I'm 15 years old and I'm just starting high school. Speaking of school, I want to go back a few years to when I was in junior high school and tell you a quick story about something that happened to me. As you know from the first part of my story, I had three jobs, always working. So what did I do with my free time? I used to build bombs. I love to blow up things. I used to blow up the toilets at school. That was cool, or not, depending on your point of view. I remember there was an abandoned school. It was close to where I used to live. One day I decided to go to the school with my homemade pipe bombs and blow up the toilets in the school because I thought it was too dangerous to do it in my high school and I didn't want to take a chance on hurting anyone. I used to blow up the toilets one at a time, but today I decided to blow them all up at the same time. Remember, I'm just a stupid kid. Well, maybe not that dumb. I was smart enough to have three jobs and build a bomb. I then proceeded to light the fuses and run away as fast as possible. The explosion was incredible. It was so loud and so destructive. I blew up half the bathroom, not just the toilets. This was out of control. I felt the power, but at the same time lost it. The explosion had now turned in the fire. The curtains on the window were now in flames. This caused the bathroom and the classroom behind the bathroom to catch on fire. The bombs blew up more than I had expected. 
the situation was now completely out of control. The school, with no one in it but me, was now on fire, burning to the ground. I panicked. I didn't know what to do. What can I do? Nothing. In a matter of minutes, what seemed only to be seconds, I can hear the fire trucks and police car sirens. They were coming. I was on the top floor, hiding in the attic of the school because I couldn't escape through the main door on the ground floor to escape the scene of the crime. I decided to go to the top of the building, away from the fire and obvious consequences below. This was the only option. So here I am hiding in the top of the building, the only part of the school not burned down. By this time, the fire trucks had hooked up their tubes, fire extinguishers, using their fire hoses. The SFFD, San Francisco Fire Department, had put out the fire. Now that it was safe, the SFPD, the San Francisco Police Department, could now enter the building. They proceeded to look for the person who had started the fire. I could hear the police radios and firemen as well getting closer to me. The worst thing I can remember was the dogs barking. It was out of nowhere that I saw so fast three German shepherds in my face, barking with big white teeth with saliva dripping from their mouths and biting my shoes as I kicked them away. The policemen and firemen then found me shortly after. They then kicked my ass. They were so mad at me. I was escorted out of the building, arrested with handcuffs. I was stuffed and cuffed, thrown into the back of a police car. I was then taken to Juvie, Juvenile Hall Detention Center. It's jail, prison for kids under the age of 18. Not a nice place. This was to be my first experience of many to come. The shame of my mom being a school teacher herself and my dad a doctor, looking at his firstborn son with such disappointment. This would also be the first of many more to come. As far as disappointment goes between parents and their children. After so much time, behind bars, and going to court with a judge, jury, lawyer, I was released and finally free. To continue my story in junior high school, we had a friend named Jeff. He was our age. His dad had big, huge, fat bags of green. I used to get OZs and make them into 10 bags. I got $15 each. That makes $150. I paid $50.
So my profit was $100. I doubled my money. Remember, it's the 1970s in San Francisco. So it was somewhat acceptable for these kind of things. Remember, we're all a bunch of hippies. Working as a newspaper delivery boy and also at the supermarket, deli, and restaurant gave me a lot of experience working with customers, clients, and money. I was surrounded by people making money. I wanted to do the same, make my money. I did what I had to do to make it. I made clients at school, work, etc. My world was open to the music, movie, sports, arts, industry. Sky's the limit, baby. I'm thinking already I'm going straight to the top. At such a young age, this was so uncommon. The green and white industry was just starting, and so was I. It's no secret that people were partying in the 1970s and 80s. This is when it all got started. All the biggest organizations coming together as one, with one thing in common, making money. Colombia had Cablo, Mexico had Tunnelman, and obviously other unmentionable people. Then we had Italy with a family. In the USA, we had the family very well established. Also, Hills Angels, and the complete opposite, the Rips and the Thugs the biggest black member gangs in California, certainly in San Francisco and Oakland and Silicon Valley. It didn't matter what country or color you were or what kind of person you were. We all had one thing in common. We had money and we liked the party. Basically, I was in the middle of the coming together of three countries and a dozen of the biggest organizations in the world, all involved in one thing, the party, and the material involved to do it, green and white. By the way, have you figured out what I'm talking about yet? This story, a lot of it, anyway, is in Morse code. So to speak, you're going to figure out a lot of stuff on your own. It's like putting together a puzzle. You have to put together the pieces to eventually put together the big picture. This book will not mention the real names of most of the people, organizations, industries, etc. I have obviously changed the names. Maybe you can figure it out. If so, perfect. If not, well, I guess you're already lost. Anyway, try to stay with me and keep up, okay? Pay attention. 
I'm not saying anything that hasn't already been said before. I'm just telling it a different way. Also, I'm trying to protect myself, family, and friends. Anyway, back to junior high school. That's where it all started. Timing the delivery trucks as they deliver beer, it was Budweiser. I would synchronize not only the day and time of delivery, but how long it took for them to go in and out of the store. Safeway Supermarket was the store in front of my junior high school and high school. So I had years of experience and time to figure out the truck's schedule, their delivery schedule. It was a hobby of mine amongst many others. Anyway, I had built up and developed my own gang, if you want to call it that. So I had my employees take the beer off the truck as a delivery man brought his beer in the store. Most trucks in the 1970s and 80s only had one driver, one person working each truck. The five minutes it took for them to go in the store was my cue to have my people take the beer off the trucks. We would then hide the cases in the bushes between the store and the school, wait for the truck to go, then put the beer in our secret hiding place. We would then take our stuff to our hideout. It was our clubhouse on the beach, Ocean Beach, San Francisco, California, under the Golden Gate Bridge, near my house. This place was was rocking on the weekends. We had really big parties on the beach. Everyone from different schools would show up. It was like a rave on the beach. What a party, good times. You have to remember we were too young to go to the clubs. We were all a bunch of kids, teenagers. There really wasn't anywhere else to go. Think about it. Nobody could party with their parents, uh, that's for sure, and too young to get in the clubs, bars, discos, etc. What else could we do? It was up to me to open up my own club. Imagine how cool this was to be the man at such a young age. Every school that came to the parties I looked at as potential clients. It just took one kid from one school to open up the door. I'm talking about money. Gotta make that money. I'm not racist in any way. I don't care what color you are because the money is always the same color, green. And you know what I mean. I put together blacks, whites, Italians, Colombians, Mexicans, Asians, They all had one thing in common. They all wanted that green and white. Business was booming. I'm talking about really taking off. Now in my first year of high school, 
I have under my belt, in my pocket, so to speak, three junior high schools and high schools. As I continue negotiating, I worked my way up to the universities. I had more or less 10 schools as clients by the time I was 15 years old. I was about as direct as anyone could be from the source of both green and white. The biggest names in the business, world-renowned, everyone who was anyone knew about Cablo and Tunnelman. Sometimes it's not what you know, but who you know. I always preferred the opposite. I didn't want anyone to know who I was. I wanted to always be invisible. I never wanted the fame, just the money, and to be safe. The less people know about you, the better. It's always better to be safe than sorry in this business. You have got to be careful. Loose lips sink ships. And I learned from a very young age to keep my mouth shut. I developed my own kind of Morse code. I always spoke in code, like green and white. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because I didn't want people around me to know what I was talking about. I'm not paranoid, I'm just careful. I knew not to say anything incriminating on telephones or in public places for the fear of being possibly recorded by the police. I always kept my ears and eyes open at all times. The family is an organization that has been around a long time. They have honor, loyalty, and respect, contrary to what the world thinks of them. Still a bit closed-minded in the 70s and 80s, as in so many years before, with all due respect, it was up to me to open up their minds. To be open-minded was a new mentality. It took a hippie from San Francisco to do it. Surprisingly, my new code was a big hit. My boss, the meat man, 60 years old at the time, more or less, had been with, had been with the family more or less 40 years. He was a very high-ranking official, not only in the family, but also in the SFPD. And that is the San Francisco Police Department. Also the same amount of time, 40 years as a police officer. With a gun and a badge, this man was untouchable. Think about it. The connections, the contacts on both sides. Anything and everything in San Francisco went through my boss. In one way or another. He knew about everything. I was with the right man at the right place at the right time. As always with everyone in my life. I developed a system of communication, transportation, method of hiding products within others, distribution. 
I was a smart kid at only the age of 15 years old. The family loved me and my ideas. I had been delivering packages of what I thought was meat, obviously. There was more than just steaks and fillets being delivered. I suggested to my boss my idea of putting products up the cows and chickens' asses. He laughed. I told him it wasn't funny. It, was, it wasn't meant as a joke. I was being very serious. I told him who's going to look up a cow's ass or a chicken for shit. Do you understand me? That's for the big shipments of the product. For the little ones, how about bags of chips in cans of food, bottles, etc. For transportation purposes, also for disguising the product. It was brilliant and so was I. So I was told also to put together and introduce the idea to all nationalities to come together and work as a machine, to put aside our dislikes and work as one to make a lot of money. Because everyone can see the potential in this business. Remember, it's the 1970s and 80s. All this stuff was just getting started. And so were the biggest organizations in the world behind it. Green and white is a product that was starting. It was something new. Before this, what else did everyone do? Drink? What else? Not much. Let me tell you, with these new products on the market, it took the party to a new level. As we all know, it will never go away. The world has been doing it for 50 years, more or less, and will continue another, that's for sure. It's a business that generates a lot of money. It needed to be organized, and it was up to me to do it. So I thought in my own mind, I told the meat man, let's put together the Italians, the Mexicans, blacks, whites, and take all their money. All the biggest gangs, certainly in California, wanted this. It's Hollywood, baby. Who doesn't want a touch of this? The world wanted this stuff, and I thought it would be best for the family to take control of this market and dominate it. Well, there you have it. Our hero's a full-fledged teenage drug dealer, supplier, club owner on the beach. So like I said before, the tapes keep coming. I'm up to five now. So I'll try and put one of these out a week. And as I listen to them, put it together. Uh, hopefully you'll, you'll keep joining to, to hear about what's next. I already uh, heard the, the next one. And if our gringo loco is to be believed, it just gets bigger and badder. And uh, the pressure starts cooking and there's some really neat twists and turns. So 
enjoy it as they come. And in the meantime, I'll keep trying to find Sean. And if I do, I'll see if I can get an interview up or something. I found his kids on Instagram, but uh, they haven't accepted my follows to their private accounts. Um, and uh, the phone number isn't getting through. Can't find his wife. But the tapes keep coming, so we'll see where we go with that. But in the meantime, I'll keep Googling, keep researching, and share what I know is true for sure and what remains unconfirmable. Thanks for listening to True Story, a podcast by Gringo Loco. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page at Sean Balin Gringo Loco Podcast and follow us on Instagram at Gringo Loco Pod. Catch our next episode one week from today.